Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 1. We're at the very beginning of our series of the pastoral epistles. That through the pastoral epistles there are three books that the Apostle Paul wrote not to churches but to individuals serving as pastors. The book of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And as we explore these books, we could see Paul giving the instructions to a pastor of how to pastor a church, things that they need to be reminded of, things that they need to be taught, things that they need to have in their own lives so they could be a blessing to the people that God has set them over to shepherd. And as we see this, the apostle Paul is still taking time to remind young Timothy, who is about 30, 35 years old, who is pastoring, just to give him some encouragement about some things in the ministry. And we're thankful for it because now we have it written form under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for our benefit and our learning. So if you don't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and let's start in verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our God was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Christ Jesus might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 1? The book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, and notice with me in verse number 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners sinners. And with the Lord's help, we would like to hit this idea here in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God, a God who loves us so very much, a God who's provided mercy to us 
when we didn't deserve it. We're thankful for your mercy. I'm asking that as we go through here that you would teach us today. Help us to be more effective in giving our own testimony. That we understand how a testimony works and see the example that Paul has given to us. And that we can learn more and realize that God desires to save everyone. And has the ability to save everyone. Again, I cannot trust my own. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you. Ask that you fill me with your precious spirit so that you can get your own work accomplished. Thank you that we could trust you with this. In Jesus' name, amen. As the Apostle Paul is writing, he tells Timothy something that Timothy has already known. But Paul takes time to give his testimony. His testimony. Now, your testimony is the story of how you came to know the Lord. And if you came to know Jesus Christ, your Savior, every one of you have a story to tell. That's what a testimony is. It's your story. How did you come to know the Lord? You know, when we talk to people about the Lord, we're not just talking about theory. We're not talking about something that isn't put in practice. What we're trying to tell people is what has happened to us. It is a personal story. You know, as I travel around and as I meet folks, it is amazing to me that church people, someone could be active in church, a deacon in a church, be busy in church, and be in there for 30-something years and never been taught how to tell their story. How to share with someone else of how they came to know the Lord as their personal Savior. Maybe we could pause a second and say, how would you tell someone about how you came to know the Lord? What would be the events? What would you tell them? Well, that's a very good question. And it's something that every person who is saved needs to know how to do. Because it is the most powerful tool you have in your toolbox with dealing with other people is how you came to know the Lord. Now, in order to declare a proper testimony, a testimony has three parts, all right? The first part is how you, or what your life was like before you came to know the Lord. What your life was like before you came to know the Lord. And when you tell that part, you're not bragging on sin. You're not talking about how awful you are. What you're doing is you're trying to give something relatable. You know, people are hypochondriacs by nature. Or you remember those old Bugs Bunny cartoons when someone thinks they got sick and they start reading in their medical book, well, first you turn yellow and then the person turns yellow and then they turn green and then they turn green and then you get upset stomach and then their eyes turn big and you watch the cartoon character and then they turn plaid and you watch them. Turn. You know, people automatically relate. And so when you give your testimony, you want to talk about how your life was like before you came to know the Lord. For example, before I came to know the Lord, my life was without hope. You know, someone could listen to that and say, you know what, I don't have any hope. You see, you're not condemning them. You're just talking about yourself. You're relating to yourself. Before I came to know the Lord, I was afraid what would happen to me if, if I didn't wake up. Before I came to know the Lord, I feared death. Before I came to know the Lord, I knew I deserved hell. You know, whatever it is, you're telling your story. You want to be honest about it. But you're not bragging on sin, but you're trying to relate with someone, trying to describe that there was something different about your life. The second part of a testimony is not only how you came to know the Lord, but also, or sorry, the first part of your testimony is what your life was like before you came to know the Lord. The second part is how you came to know the Lord. How did you come to the Lord? Tell a 
little bit about the events. What occurred when you met Jesus? What was it? How was it that you met Jesus? What was that encounter like? And then the third part of your testimony is how your life is different because you came to know the Lord. You know, the evidence that the Bible works, the evidence that what we call biblical Christianity is true, is the evidence of a changed life. Someone who says that they're a Christian and has no changed life, there's something wrong somewhere. Everyone who's accepted Jesus as their Savior has a changed life. It doesn't matter if it's a little child, five, six years old. They may not be gross sinners doing drugs and don't have to repent of that, but there should be an evidence of a changed life. There's something spiritually changed in them. Their desires have changed. And that's true of everyone, whether it's a small child or a 70-year-old person. When they come to know the Lord as their Savior, there should be something different. So a testimony has three parts. What your life was like before you came to know the Lord how you came to know the Lord, and what your life was like after you came to know the Lord. Well, we can see this played out all throughout the Bible. The Apostle Paul never failed to take the time to give his testimony. He gave his testimony everywhere he went because his life was completely changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you don't mind, as we look at 1 Timothy chapter number 1, we could see the Apostle Paul gives young Timothy, even though Timothy has heard it over and over and over, he once again gives his testimony to young Timothy to explain what his life was like before he came to know the Lord, how he came to know the Lord, and what his life was like after he came to know the Lord. If you don't mind, let's look in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and let's see this first thing, Paul's life before Christ. Paul's life before Christ. Notice with me in verse number 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So he's describing a little bit, transitioning. He says, I was in the ministry, but let me tell you what my life was like before. Verse number 13, who was before? So before I was a preacher, you may look at me now and say, oh, that's the Apostle Paul. And some people have in mind, maybe they look at a preacher and say, preachers never sinned. You may look at someone who who's, has a life that's following after Christ. And you may look at them and say, you know what? They've never done anything wrong. They can't relate. Well, the Apostle Paul says, before you get in the mind, let me tell you what my life was like before. Before I was a preacher, before I was an apostle, let me tell you what my life was like before. Who before was a blasphemer. The idea of blasphemer here is that he wasn't recognizing the works of God were from God. What he was, is he was a Hebrew person, a Jewish person, who was trained by the greatest Hebrew teacher there was, Gamaliel. He went through the schools, he studied the works. In fact, there is historical evidence that Paul and Jesus ran to each other while they were young men. 12 years old, that Paul was at the school at, at, at Jerusalem when Jesus came at 12 years old and began to teach all the doctors and lawyers. Paul was there. He recognized. He heard the things of Jesus. He crossed, went through it. But then the strangest thing in the world happened. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Now, for a Hebrew person, they would recognize, according to the book of Deuteronomy, that it says very clearly, Cursed is anyone that hangeth upon a tree. So in Paul's mind, he's trying to rectify what Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, 
But how in the world can the Messiah be cursed? It doesn't work in his mindset. And so he rejected everything about Jesus because he could not rectify in his mind that God would allow his chosen one, his anointed one, his Messiah, his Christ to be cursed, to be a cursed. It didn't rectify in his mind. So the apostle Paul would say when someone would say, I'm a Christian, he would say wrong. That is not correct. That is, and he would get upset and get mad. And the Bible says that was blaspheme because God was in Christ and those who were Christians who were getting saved. And yet Paul would not recognize that it was God's works. He just couldn't rectify it. And so Paul says, before I came to know the Lord, I was a blasphemer. I would not recognize what God was doing. I would not register. I would not recognize it. So before I came to know the Lord, I was a blasphemer. Before I came to know the Lord, verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor. And he was a persecutor. He hated Christianity so much, he would go to people's houses and drag them out out of their houses, men, women, and children, and put them on trial. In fact, when he's on the road to Damascus, when he comes to know the Lord, he's actually on his way to Damascus with permission from the Jewish leaders to go find Christians in a foreign country to drag them back to Jerusalem to put them on trial. He was a persecutor. He hated the things of Christianity. He did not agree with it. You know there's people like that today. There are people who were blasphemers. They don't recognize that God is working in the world before they came to know the Lord. There are some people even now who are saying what we're doing here is silly. Religion never made sense to me. I couldn't understand why people would read the Bible. People say this all the time. Before Paul came to know the Lord. He was a persecutor. He hated the things of God. He could not understand. He, he, he would do everything he could to stamp out the Bible. For example, don't we have a Congress and people in Congress today that are trying to stamp out in God we trust or in the name of God inside of our documents and our, our oaths now? We have people that hate the Lord. So that's relatable. There are some people that hate the Lord. Before I came to know the Lord, I was a persecutor. I hated the things of God. Before I came to know the Lord, I was a blasphemer. I wouldn't recognize that God was doing these things. Before I came to know the Lord, verse 13, who was a, before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. The word injurious here carries the idea of the spirit he had while he did it. It wasn't that he just did the actions. It was his spirit. He hated with a passion anything dealing with Christianity. He hated people for following after Christ. He saw Christ as an imposter and he saw the people being led away. So before he came to know the Lord, he says, I was a blasphemer. Before I came to know the Lord, I was a persecutor. Before I came to know the Lord, I was injurious. My spirit that I had hated things of Christ. Well, are there people like that today? Could someone, if you're telling your testimony, of, or let's say that Paul's there, could some people relate to that? He says, before I came to know the Lord, you may look at me and say, oh, he's a preacher. Let me tell you, I wasn't always this way. There were times I hated things of God. There was things I couldn't understand what God was doing. There were some times that I was upset when I would hear the Bible, Christ, and we have people today that could relate to that, right? 
and says, so this is what my life was like before I came to know the Lord. I was a persecutor. I was a blasphemer. And I was injurious. My spirit was not right towards the things of the Lord. Notice, if you don't mind, hold your finger here. And let's see as the Apostle Paul gives his testimony again in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, he gives it a couple times in the book of Acts as he has the privilege of standing before several leaders. He does it in Acts 24, but we're going to look in Acts 26. Acts chapter 26. In Acts 26, he is standing before King Agrippa. And he says, I'm glad to give you my testimony. Let me tell you about my life. And once again, the Apostle Paul takes time to explain his testimony. Notice with me in Acts chapter 26. And notice with me in verse uh, number 9. Acts 26 and verse 9. I, that's Paul, verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which, also, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison. Having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death. I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue. And compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them. Even to... Even, even, excuse me, I persecuted them even to every unto strange cities. Here we can see those three things. Paul says, I was a blasphemer. And verse number nine talks about that. I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. He said, I'm a persecutor. Verse number 10 talks about that. That many of the uh, saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He was a persecutor. Verse number 11. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to be blasphemed and being exceedingly mad against them. Here he is, he's talking, I'm, I'm injurious, my spirit. So Paul is just giving his testimony. He gives it all the way, the same idea. Before I came to know the Lord, I was blasphemer. Before I came to know the Lord, I was a persecutor. Before I came to know the Lord, I was injurious. My spirit wasn't right. I hate it. I was mad against all things to come to Christ that, that dealt with Jesus Christ. But turn with me back to 1 Timothy chapter number 1. As Paul is giving his testimony, he's talking about what his, life, what his life was like before he came to know the Lord. But we see the second part of a testimony. The, <laughs> Paul's life was saved by grace. How he came to know Jesus as his Savior. Notice, if you don't mind, at the end of verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy... Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. That idea of ignorantly in unbelief is talking about I wasn't saved yet. I didn't know Christ is my Savior. But you know what God gave him? Verse number 13. I obtained mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. You know what Paul deserved? He deserved hell. Do you know what every single one of us deserve? We deserve hell. The Bible says very clearly... That there are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Every single person deserves death. 
You know, in order for you to be saved, you have to first of all recognize that you're a sinner. And because of your sin, you have offended a holy, righteous God and you deserve punishment. Someone who does not believe they deserve to go to hell cannot be saved. Someone who does not believe they de- they've offended God and they deserve punishment, they deserve God's wrath, they cannot be saved because there's nothing to save them from. But that's what God's mercy is, is giving us what we don't, uh, not giving us what we do deserve. That's God's mercy. I deserve hell. I'm a preacher here and I tell you I deserve hell. And the only reason why I'm not going is because of God's mercy mercy. Paul says, I deserved hell, but I obtained mercy. How did you obtain mercy? What happened? Verse number 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You know what Jesus did is that Jesus went out of his way to reach the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul had an amazing story. He continues in Acts 26. We're not going to turn there. But he explains that, guess what? I was on my way to Damascus. And as I was on my way to Damascus, a bright light hit. And I heard Jesus say, why did thou kick against the pricks? Paul, why are you against me? Why do you hate me? And Paul says, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he falls down on his face. He had an encounter with Jesus. When he met with Jesus, he recognized that he was a sinner. And because of his sin, he deserved punishment. And that Jesus was his hope. And he surrendered. He personally accepted what Jesus gave to him. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, you're what I need. And Jesus gave him the grace of our God. Mercy is getting is not getting what we deserve. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God giving us what we don't deserve. So mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. You know what we don't deserve? We don't, we don't deserve God's forgiveness. But he gave it to us anyways. We don't deserve a home in heaven. But he's provided to us anyways. That God has given it to us because of his love. Verse number 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. He has given us abundant grace with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. It is because of the love of Christ. So Paul says, you know what my life was like before I came to know the Lord? I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I hated things about Christianity. I was injurious. But God showed me mercy. He gave me abundant grace because of his love that was in Jesus Christ. I realized who Jesus was and I accepted him. And things changed. Notice verse 15. He says, let me tell you something else. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Do you know there's a lot of sayings? But not a lot of sayings are worthy for every single person to accept. For example, there are sayings in the Bible that are written to about women. For example, the Bible talks about uh, women that they're uh, a virtuous woman. They're supposed to be a good mother. You know, as hard as I try, I cannot be a good mother. All right. And so that's a saying that's not worthy of all acceptation because it doesn't apply to me. Does that make sense? So there are some things that are written that don't apply to me. I could teach about being a good mother, but I cannot be a good mother. Okay. However, The Bible says there is a saying that's worthy for every single 
person to accept. What is that? Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. The apostle Paul says, you want to know I was an awful sinner, but Jesus came to save sinners. That's me. You know what the qualification is to get saved? You have to be a sinner. As long as you're a sinner, you are qualified to get saved. Now, every single one of us could admit that we're sinners. That's all of us in the room. That means all of us can be saved because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Again, when we're telling about a personal testimony, we're relating to someone else so they could be saved. What my life was like before, we're trying to relate to someone that could say, you know what? That's me. That's me. I could relate to that. Yes, I understand. Then we could say, guess what? God can save anybody, including you. He saved me and he could do it for you. Jesus can do it. We're trying to relate to them. So we're talking about the testimony. Paul said what his life was like before he came to know the Lord. He now is explaining how he came to know the Lord. Now he says something important. Paul's life after Christ. So after he met with the Lord, what was his life like now? Notice with me in verse number 16. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy. Notice he said that thing mercy again. I obtained mercy. What is mercy? It's not getting what we deserve. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy. Why did he get saved? Why did God save him? That in me first Christ Jesus might show forth all Long suffering. What is long suffering? It means you suffer long with someone. Paul was saying, you know what? God saw me injure people. He saw me persecute people. He saw me cause them to blaspheme people. What do you mean by that? He would drag people out of their house and say, listen here. Either you deny Jesus Christ is God or I'm going to kill you. And there were some people who were afraid for their life that would actually say, I don't believe in Jesus, even though they did believe in Jesus. He caused them to blaspheme. He caused them to re, re, uh, renege, re, um, recount what they said before. He caused them to blaspheme. And God's watching this. Do you think God's happy with the Apostle Paul? Do you think, good job, Paul. There's another one of my people that you dragged out and killed. Good job. You know, God would have been within his right to strike him dead beforehand. Do you know that in your life, God could have struck you dead for things that you've done in your life? How many of you know that you're worthy of a lightning strike or two? Right? <laughs> we've, we've hurt God. And God was patient with us. As far as I know, none of you have been struck by lightning. God was patient with you. He gave you what you did not deserve. And he kept you away from what you did deserve. Because he had a plan for you. He suffered with you when you injured and hurt him and offended him. Over and over. The apostle Paul, person after person he persecuted. And God was long suffering towards him. And he says, guess what? I'm an example of this. Notice with me in verse number 16 again. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Christ Jesus might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that should be hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You know, there are some people that say, I can't be saved. I've done way too much. Do you know that there's no one who's ever done too much that God can't save them? 
It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how big of a sinner you are. We brought up in Sunday school the serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, a local hero, right? Here in Wisconsin. He was a serial killer. And not only a serial killer, he was a cannibal. There was a time the police knocked on the door when someone was actually being killed inside of his house just to check and say, is everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine. And they walked away. When they finally did come back and arrest him, they found body parts in his refrigerator and freezer that he was eating. That's a pretty awful guy, isn't it? But do you know that while he was in prison, a prison chaplain got a hold of him and explained to him the gospel? By his own testimony, he accepted Christ as a savior and he realized that he deserved to die. And he did die. And you know that based off of his profession, he accepted Jesus Christ as a savior. Where Jeffrey Dahmer is right now, he's in heaven because God was willing to forgive him. Now, if God's willing to forgive someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, he could forgive you. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, if God could be long-suffering to me and still forgive me and give me a home to heaven, let me tell you, he could do the same for you. He says, since I came to know the Lord, let me tell you, God has been long-suffering to me. I have realized how much God has put up with me and still puts up with me. And that's an example that God would be long-suffering to you too. He gives you mercy. He says, that's something you could have when you get saved. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Let me tell you, that's something we all need over and over. Mercy, mercy. Notice as he goes on. What is his life like after he came to know the Lord? Verse number 17. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory and praise forever and ever. He says, you want to know something? You want to know something that's different about my life? He says, now I want to praise God. I want to praise him forever and ever. He says, before I came to know the Lord, I didn't want to do that. But now that I came to know the Lord, I can't stop. My life is different. I love the Lord. I want him honored. And I want everyone to know what Jesus Christ has done for me. Do you know that you have a similar story? You say, well, I wasn't the Apostle Paul, but you all have a story. You have a story of God's mercy and grace if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, there should be a difference in your life. Everyone has a story to tell, and that is a most powerful thing because you're just telling someone else what God did for you. You're not just telling theory. You're telling about what happened to you. And your testimony has three parts. What your life was like before you came to know the Lord. How you came to know the Lord. And what your life was like after you came to know the Lord. For example, before I came to know the Lord, I knew that I was a wretch. I was saved at a young age, but before I came to know the Lord, I knew there was something missing in my life. I knew there was something off. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I had messed up. But one day at a vacation Bible school, I was there every day that week. And I remember the pew I was sitting in when I had a preacher who loved me enough to open up the Bible and show me from the Bible that I was a sinner. And because of my sin that I've offended a righteous God and told me that I deserved to go to hell and I didn't want to go there. But the preacher loved me enough to take the Bible and show me from the Bible that Jesus died for me. And I remember where I was at when I bowed my head and I accepted Christ as my Savior. And since that time, God has given me purpose. 
He's given me peace of God and he's given me peace with God. He has done so much. He's done miracles. He's done so much for me. And my life has been changed. And there was changes immediately in my life afterwards. Oh, it was wonderful. You have a story to tell. What was your life before you came to know the Lord? Someone will say, well, I was saved at a young age. I wasn't a drunkard. But you know, you have the most powerful testimony of all. That I knew I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted the Lord as my Savior. But I was still a sinner and I needed to get saved. But you know what God has done for me? He's protected me from a life of drugs and sin and fornicate. He's protected me. You know, that's the most powerful testimony of all. That God protected you. So you don't have to go through here. Not everyone has to experience the wild life to realize how much God has done for them. God can protect you from the heartbreaks and the horrors and the the trauma and the consequences and the results of that life. That's the most powerful testimony of all. And praise the Lord, we love it when kids come to know Christ as their Savior. Because that's another child that we could expect God to protect. So they don't have to go through some of the stuff that you and I went through in times that we were away from the Lord. What a powerful testimony. Everyone has a story to tell. And it has three parts. What your life was like before you came to know the Lord. How you came to know the Lord. And what your life was like after you met him. Everyone has a story to tell. And it is something you could tell in everyone. You don't have to get note cards and say point one, point two. You could be like the Apostle Paul and just put it in natural conversation. You could talk to someone and say, "Ah, let me tell you what God has done for me. If I could use one illustration to explain how powerful a testimony was. We were having at a church I was serving in um, a missions banquet. And there was a lot of people in the church, thousands of people in the church. So for the missions banquet, we were put, uh, put as a table captain and we were in charge of filling up our table. We had to fill up our table with people that were outside of the church. And so we had some that were in the church, some that were without the church. And we filled up the table. And during the course of the missions banquet, um, while we're eating, I said, well, let's do this. Let's everyone give their testimony. How did you come to know the Lord? And I had it from the person directly opposite to me and then started bouncing back and forth. And amazingly, as everyone gave their testimony, everyone was talking about when I came to know the Lord, God gave me peace. God gave me peace. And back and forth, back and forth. Finally, it got to a guy sitting right next to me. And he says, I grew up in church all of my life. And I thought I was saved. But after listening to every one of you talk about how you have a peace in my life, I've been thinking in my heart, I don't have this peace. So he looked at me and says, can you show me for sure how I can know for sure you go to heaven? And I took him to a back room and opened up the Bible and showed him that he was a sinner. And because of his sin, that he had offended a holy, righteous God. And uh, he got saved. And when we're done, he says, would you mind if I stay in this room? He says, I got to tell God a lot of things. And he stood in the room for a while and cried. You know where that young man's at now? He's a missionary. Why? Because of a personal testimony. He was someone who grew up religious and he thought he was right. But someone related to him in a testimony and says, I don't have that. I don't have what those folks have. Your personal testimony is one of the most powerful tools that you have because you're telling what God did for you. And as I said at the very beginning, I have met so many good people, people who serve deacons, who've been in church for 30 years, who do not know how to tell someone how they came to know the Lord. 
And they're missing out on an opportunity God has given to them. Everyone has a story to tell. So I encourage you as an application to work on your testimony. It has three parts. How you came to know the Lord. Or sorry, what your life was like before you came to know the Lord. How you came to know the Lord. And what your life was like after you came to know the Lord. Everyone has a story to tell. And by the way, it doesn't have to be long. A good testimony only needs to last 90 seconds. That's plenty of time. Because in a conversation, if you go give a 45-minute story about how you came to know the Lord, they're checked out. Nobody wants to listen to you that much. But 90 seconds, you could tell anywhere. You could tell when you go knock on the door. You could tell in a conversation over the phone with a coworker on break. If you only take 90 seconds of their lunch break, that's a reasonable amount of time. Everyone has a story to tell. And God can bless that story to use it so others can relate to us. That we weren't goody two-shoes and in order to join our church, you have to be perfect. You know, the qualification to get saved is you must be a sinner. And everyone can meet that qualification. Everyone has a story to tell. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.